This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animaniacast. Welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast that is dedicated to the animated series, Animaniacs. And today, we have a very special episode once again. It is our third interview with the senior producer of Animaniacs, Mr. Tom Ruger. I am Joey, and joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan. How are And Kelly. Hi there. And last but not least, it's Mr. Tom Ruger. You! <laughs> well, Tom, thank you again for coming on the show. This has been a, a great honor to uh, to get a kind of a peek behind the curtain of Animaniacs, and uh, we appreciate it, and uh, so do our listeners as well. Well, I'm having fun, and uh, let's keep it going, because uh, I, I'm starting to find things in boxes that I can share with all of you. So. Yes. This is ex- exciting stuff. We have a we have much like a I'll put a Spielberg reference up for Kelly. It was kind of like going into the uh, Area Fifty One uh, area with all the boxes everywhere with the the, the lost Ark in the back. We have some Animaniacs artifacts. Not, not quite as vast, but there are a few uh, boxes with some uh, some pretty uh, spicy stuff. So it'll be fun. <laughs> Great. It's time for Animaniacs. I think the first topic of conversation, a couple weeks ago, Tom, you emailed us some of the original lyrics of the Animaniacs theme song. And I think it would be kind of fun just to kind of look at these lyrics and I'm going to attempt... I don't know how good I'm going to do, but I'm going to attempt to actually sing these lyrics uh, a cappella, as it were. Uh, and, and then we can kind of discuss how, well, obviously the, the differences with these lyrics. But uh, I suppose your songwriting process, because you actually wrote quite a few of the songs for Animaniacs. So, well, this was one of five different versions uh, that I wrote. And then I, I went around and read them or sang them to people and they said, yeah, like that, don't like this, that's good, that's bad. And so what happened ultimately was uh, sort of a Frankenstein song came together where pieces of these different uh, lyrics uh, wound up in the final version. Interesting. Okay, well, here I go. Here, let's, let's listen to some of this original stuff here. Here we go. <laughs> Unplug the phone, turn off the fax. Grab some snacks, kit back, relax, cause today we come your way, straight from Burbank in LA, we're Animaniacs. Hi, we're the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot. Our doctor says we're crazy cause we flunked our last ink blot. They lock us in the tower at the Warner's movie lot, but we outrun in search of fun, and now you know the plot. We're Animaniacs, our brains are called the sacks. Our tro- <laughs> our trolleys jumped its tracks. Now let's meet the other quacks on Animaniacs. 
Here's Pinky and the Brain who try to overthrow the world. Skippy gets his training from sly old Slappy Squirrel. Good feathers flock together till they fly into a coral. Buttons chases Mindy, the loony little girl. And then I think it loops back to the... Uh, Correct. To the, back to, back to the thing again. So try it again here. Rita hunts with Runt to find a home to call their own. Here's Ralph the guard and Hello Nurse. Scratchy's mind is blown. There's Chicken Boo, the hip hippos. The mime, he works alone. The writer's flipped, we have no script. And Spielberg's on the phone. We're Animaniacs. It's a show that's made by hacks. From the start to <laughs> from the start to the climax, we're not wearing any slacks. We're animani, totally insaney. And then we have the variable verses, <laughs> which many of these pick out, pick out just a few, just pick a few, out. just a few. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kakamami, uh, uh, comeback Shaney, which I thought was a, a very interesting reference, especially for kids. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> who that was um shirley mcclaney that 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 was that's there's quite a few shirley mcclain jokes is there any special fondness for shirley mcclain in in your writing or because i know she shirley the loon for example and and all those i yeah she uh she was uh you know that she was very uh into uh spiritual uh crystals and things yes and, and reincarnation she believed she had been reincarnated several times so she had written a few books and it was kind of uh, in the culture at that point i think at some point i, I believe at some point steven said can we stop picking on shirley mcclain <laughs> <laughs> um and we stop oh, okay there's uh andromeda strainy which was a nice michael crichton reference i thought <laughs> uh eisenhower mamie yeah, there you go. Now you're getting your presidential politics. You're getting your history. You're getting your, yeah. So educational. Yes. Uh, of course, uh, Dana Delaney. Now, oh, the eyebrow wag. The eyebrow wag. Yes. Now, Delaney, very groucho. Yeah. <laughs> now, Dana Delaney. Now, uh, she was in. Uh, of course, she worked on. Um, you, you helped produce uh, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, correct? Yes, and she was uh, the girl. Uh, Andrea, I think that was her character's name. I want to say, yes. and it which did... was Alan Burnett's daughter's name. Oh, okay. The script, yes. Okay, so yeah, I, I just thought that, uh, interesting because Dana Delaney. Again, we're talking about characters that kids just don't really know that much. <laughs> she was she was always on the Warner lot. Uh, she always did. Uh, she did Warner Brother TV shows, Warner Brother movies. So yeah. You know, keep it in the family. Yeah, in high school, I did have quite a crush on her. She was, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so um, moving on, uh, there's, I mean, there's a full list right here of yeah. quite a few That's variable cool. verses that didn't make it until really even the third season. Did you write all these at the same time? And These were, well, again, this song was written before the show ever went on the air. And the, the this song began with uh, a piece of music provided by Richard Stone. And uh, it had a, a format to this, the music that we all know, but I, I'd say that we did shift things around. We'd repeat one piece of music, uh, hold off on the, 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 the bridge. So we moved some things around. And so he, he basically handed uh, me this, this beautiful uh, melody and, and piece of music. And so I just had to uh, 
write the words that uh, sort of made sense. Mm-hmm. Now, th- those some of those uh, phrases, I, I, I love that we I still had this thing and that you, you sang it beautifully, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, because it had some things in it that are no longer like talk about uh, kids not knowing the reference. I mean, turn off the facts. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? <laughs> something you worry about doing. Uh, I love the Spielberg line in the song. Uh, that should have stayed. In. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm surprised it didn't because uh, uh, what the writers quit. We have no script. Why bother to rehearse? Uh, somehow um, the Spielberg line didn't cut. I think I. Th- oh yeah, he he doesn't like to. Uh, he doesn't like to draw attention to himself uh, inappropriately. And I, I, I suspect uh, that was one of those things where he was like, you know what, I don't need to be in the main title. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I like the uh, cul-de-sac line in the, that version of the main title. I like ink blot test. I, I, the, but the facts and the, the trolley is off its tracks are both <laughs> very uh, dated, very dated. <laughs> Uh, guys, do you have any uh, favorite variable verses on this on this list right here that that stick out for you? I'm gonna say Fraser Craney. <laughs> Fraser Craney. Fraser Craney. <laughs> Kelly. I I've always liked Citizen Caney and the the sled and 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 you know that probably has a lot to do with it's gonna shock y'all. Um, but again, Spielberg because I. I always heard that uh, he owns the uh, the rosebud sled uh, from the movie Citizen Kane, so um, I always kind of make that connection with him. I like the comeback Shaney line a lot with because uh, Dot's really wearing a, a really cute outfit. She's got a little western mm-hmm. outfit, and I particularly like uh, Yakko's uh, surprise uh, uh, extra line, which is uh, <laughs> it's like. It's like he didn't get his cue. Yeah. Very now, in the first season of Animaniacs, we really we don't get to all of these. I want to say we get to maybe half of this list that you sent us, um, and we didn't get to the rest of them until like I think the I think the third season. And in fact, we we've commented sometimes on on our on our you know discussions of each episode how we're disappointed when it just says here's the show's namey because um, <laughs> <laughs> we like the variable verses so much. Was there any reason why some, you know, that here's the show's namey? Well, I mean, obviously it's the most direct, like here's the show's name. But is there any reason do you think that there wasn't as many uh, variations on this uh, during the first season, at least? Well, I, uh, as I recall, um, I think I made twenty of them the first season. Uh huh. I mean, I, I recorded them all, uh, but then. You know, you have to bore them. They're only a shot, but you still have to bore them. And you got to tack them onto something, uh, you know, where there's room to do these little extra interstitial pieces of footage because everything costs money. So mm-hmm. I think I did about 20 of them. And, uh, and then I was encouraged to do more later on. So I see. They, they dribbled in. I see. <laughs> and then I, I also, for a while, I was really trying to make them thematic to the episode. And, Ultimately, that was impossible because uh, Mamie Eisenhower was just not going to show up in an episode. <laughs> but, but I do think that was probably that may have had the the president song in it. For all I know, yeah. Well, yeah, it did. It just show up in a few that didn't really theme, you know, too much with the uh, with the cartoons. But 
We did. Mm-hmm. We do notice that sometimes, though. Every now and then, it does definitely theme with. I, I want to say. I want to say Shirley MacLaine, for example. I think that was with Wally Lama. I believe. Uh, I want to say that the it, it might have matched. I, I up. think that's right. Yeah. So it usually has something. That's always like a nice little. Right Easter here, egg. comeback. Shaney uh, was uh, absolutely nothing to do with westerns. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, The Rain in Spainy, that kind of works because the show is Taming of the Screwy, where they're being taught like, like, Liza Doolittle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. but there, there, there's sometimes there is method to the madness. Now, speaking of your method to the madness, is it, when it comes to your your songwriting, did it usually do uh, much like with the theme song right here, where you have the tune first and then you write the words in? Well, I, I did just uh, jot down some of the main titles that I've written and how they are tend to be different. Uh, uh, Pup named Scooby Doo back at uh, Hanna Barbera days was. Uh, John Debney wrote uh, a tune, and then I wrote the words. So that started with uh, a tune. Tiny Tunes definitely started with uh, the piece of music by Bruce Broughton. And then uh, Wayne Katz I, uh, was a story editor, uh, and a very talented story editor, and a great songwriter. He had uh, written this brilliant uh, Garbage Night episode of of Pound Puppies when I was at Hanna-Barbera. It was just mm-hmm. packed with songs. Cost a fortune. Hanna-Barbera was furious, but it was really <laughs> not. Uh, so he took a stab at the main title lyrics first, and then uh, I needed it to address certain things about the show, so then I, I took a pass at it. And so Wayne and I came up with the uh, lyrics for the main title for Tiny Tunes. <laughs> came Animaniacs. I definitely wanted to list the characters and and talk about the lunacy of the show. So I didn't really, I wasn't seeking any input on, on the lyrics uh, initially. And uh, so I, I wrote, I had almost too much, uh, too many lyrics. I actually <laughs> originally proposed it uh, to be a two minute song. Oh my and, gosh. Wow. Someone said, uh, no. And, uh, uh, so anyway, that's why there are so many lyrics, because I, I just I really wanted it to be a, an extravaganza. And of course, it was uh, animated and, and drawn and storyboarded and directed by Rich Ahrens, who did just a brilliant, brilliant job. And, uh, you know, Andrea uh, led the voices in the, in the singing. Uh, was, of course, Yakko, uh, Wacko and Dot are singing. But then uh, J. 
Julie Bernstein is also singing in there. It's, it's, it's a beautiful job. Now, Pink in the Brain, as I mentioned, I think a week or so ago, that began with the lyrics, where, I, as I told you, I, I wrote the lyrics to the tune of Singing in the Rain. Yes. And uh, then Richard Stone went and took that and turned it into something that was most definitely not Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Now, Freakazoid, I wrote, uh, I wrote the lyrics to Freakazoid first, uh-huh. and handed it up to Richard Stone, and uh, he he could sense the pattern of what I was driving at there, and and what happened with that is he he wrote a, a great tune to it, and then it it afforded me to add even more lyrics to it, which he said, no, no, it doesn't need any more lyrics, but. Uh, in the Freakazoid theme song, it was like uh, Super Tune Extraordinary, uh, uh, Rescues Washington, D.C., Freakazoid, Frickazy, mm-hmm. unless Floyd the Barber's on TV. Well, uh, Floyd the, unless something better's on TV. Uh, freakazoid, uh, Frickazy, Freakazoid, Chimpanzee. Those little Freakazoid, Frickazy, Freakazoid, Chimpanzee, they weren't in the, the first round. I, 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 mm-hmm. I wanted... I wanted to add those, and he's like, no, come on, the, the song's crazy enough as it is. <laughs> and so I pushed on that, and when we, the following year we won the Emmy for that song, uh, uh, and we, we, we beat out. Among the other nominees was Paul Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Freakazoid's theme song beat uh, Paul Simon's uh, theme song for the Oprah show, I believe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, on Tiny Toon, uh, excuse me, on Animaniacs, uh, the, the song process uh, really was all about uh, the writer and uh, whether the, the characters uh, should sing, will sing. Um, every one of the writers on the show, uh, Stoner, uh, Rug, Peter Haste, Nick Hollander, uh, Deanna Oliver, and of course Randy, uh, all felt very comfortable writing lyrics, and uh, they really they loved to write the songs. Great. Now, so that was that particular formula of just kind of intro. We 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 did mention it in our I think our first episode where we were talking about the theme song then that it, it does kind of have the same conventions of tiny tunes in that you're introducing the characters and you're saying these are the people. And, and then again with Freakazoid, um, I, off the top of my head, I can remember just a little bit of this, the pup named Scooby-Doo uh, theme. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, they, they also list the, the actor, the, okay. the, the uh, characters. It's uh, join Shaggy and the crew. Daphne, Freddie, Velma, too, and and you're seeing them. Okay. And hysteria also. There are two uh-huh. main types to hysteria, and that's just nothing but characters. <laughs> so, yeah, I it, it makes it makes life easy. Yes, definitely. Well, <laughs> much like uh, Stan Lee said, you know, every comic book is somebody's first comic book. So this, you know, it did a you know these theme songs do a good <laughs> job of hey everybody here's the cartoon show you're going to be watching right now right. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Here it is. <laughs> well, I you know we, we could go on and on about the the songs <laughs> for some time. I think 
Should we? Why don't we do uh, when you have the time? Uh, well, we should pull a list together and talk about specific, some of the specific songs. Maybe we can get Randy on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ooh. I met him at um, DragonCon a few years ago, yeah. and he found out I could sing the Nations of the World song by memory, and so he made me do it. Very good. <laughs> I was like, it was like eleven o'clock in the morning on the last day of DragonCon. I was tired and hung over <laughs> I think to sing that song it's a requirement to be hung over <laughs> I, I said I will sing the song but I'm always drunk <laughs> <laughs> well well now, now we do a version of the beers of the countries of the world uh, I, I tried to write one one time I started when I was in high school of um the planets of Star Wars to that tune oh, and I actually well. I actually got pretty far. You could tell I had no social life in school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, I, I want to Kelly. You got to work on that. I want to. I want to see that finished project now that you mentioned it. So anyway, well, the one of the the main things when we put out our uh, questions to the audience about what we're Tom's going to be on our show again, ladies and gentlemen. What would you like him to to talk about? What are some questions that you have for him? And uh, a lot of the questions have to do with the voice actors and uh, what it was like working with them. Um, Nathan, why don't you, could you read off the, the couple of questions that we have right here? And then maybe that'll kind of uh, yeah. uh, spur our conversation into uh, what it was like to, to work with these folks. Yeah. So uh, we do have yeah, a question. Voice here. actors that are not in jail, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, we have a uh, question from Cameron Brewer at YesWeCam98, where he asks, did you have anyone in mind when casting the Warners before you cast Paulson, Harnell, and uh, McNeil? And then we also have a question from Emily Santoyo at CartoonGirl97. Uh, what was it like working with such great voice actors on the show? I'm a, I'm ex uh, I expect that includes Paulson, Harnell, and McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we had been, as you know, uh, making uh, Tiny Tunes, and we we knew that uh, there were a handful of voice actors in town who were just the best in the business, and uh, and we knew they their versatility. We knew they had many voices in their mouths, in their heads, in their minds. Uh, their performance abilities and acting abilities were uh, outstanding, and uh, many of them could sing. So. Here we had this show that we knew there were going to be uh, songs in it. Uh, we knew we were going to have some really uh, unique and funny characters. So uh, we did definitely pursue uh, many of the actors that ultimately uh, won the roles on the show. We did. Uh, we had them in mind. We had Rob Paulson in mind ever since he had performed the twanging uh Buster Bunny uh, summer vacation song where he's he's playing a banjo with his mouth. Well, 
Rob Paulson did that uh, performance, and it was just to watch it was just amazing because he had a music track to follow, and he was just doing calisthenics with his mouth and his, using his hands and everything. So, I mean, we knew Rob was an awesome performer and a, a great voice actor, but uh, we 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 definitely wanted to see him in a prominent role. Uh, and uh, as you know, Tress McNeil had been Babs Bunny, mm -hmm. and we felt like we couldn't find anyone uh, as brilliant at cute and funny and sassy. So we knew we we were hoping that she would land the part of, of Doc. Um, the the call went out. Tiny Toons was a big hit, and the call went out to all the voice actors in in town uh, that were doing a new show, new characters. And come in to, you know, plan to have fun and just be crazy. Uh, and as you'll hear, ultimately, uh, <laughs> people came in with their own preconceived notions. We weren't trying to tell them, we weren't trying to tell them, oh, we have it all figured out. It has to be exactly like this, because then if that's the case, we probably don't need to do auditions. We can just tell someone really great to do that. So, uh, but we were, we were aware that we, we were, at that moment in our lives, just crazy about Groucho Marx. Mm -hmm. And we were writing Yakko like he's kind of a wise ass and he's glib and he can say things like Groucho. We weren't saying, oh, he should sound like Groucho, but we wanted him to have that attitude. And uh, so we did tell people that. And I think probably many of the uh, early auditions for Yakko were very Groucho influenced. But Rob was able to put a little taste of Groucho, but keep it young and keep it uh, pretty high energy and sly. And uh, I think you'll hear in like uh, in some of his very earliest episodes, he's a little bit uh, lower in range and a little bit, a uh, little bit more like Groucho in, in uh, hmm. that would be in the Beethoven cartoon uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the Dracula, the, the, is it the Dracula? Uh, Dracula, Dracula. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where he says his parents are, are, are pencils and all that. That's why we're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so when we had a bunch of auditions, we were sort of done with what we felt was our best batch of yakos. We then sent, uh, we've compiled a, a cassette of, I think, about 10, our top 10 choices. And we numbered them. We didn't tell the people who would be listening the names of the actors because we thought that's kind of jade uh, make make them oh I want to go with the big celebrity or and mm -hmm. which is not our goal we wanted to just get the the funniest greatest voice so uh, we picked our top ten and our top ten included three different versions from Rob Paulson <laughs> three separate voices each one distinctly different but they were among our top ten choices so. So he was like number three, number five, and number eight, <laughs> and and so, G, uh, and basically it was going out to Gene McCurdy and Steven Spielberg, and uh, they both came back with sort of uh, with the same uh, reaction. They both like five and eight. And <laughs> they were torn as to which one was better, <laughs> and, and but they were so different, and they were both robbed. So uh, we were able. To we were able to land him. We really wanted him to do it. Uh, Pinky and the Brain were a, a different process in that 
first to come, the first building block of uh, Pinky and the Brain was that Maurice LaMarche walked in the door, saw the little drawing of the brain, and simply just started to do his warm-up, which is always his Orson Welles, <laughs> uh, where he's talking about, uh, you know, peace. Yes, gro- always. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's uh, John Stengel. Uh, it's, it's very <laughs> difficult. He's doing this Orson Welles routine from a commercial uh, recording that that Orson did years and years ago where he gets really sore at the uh, engineer. And, what is a gonk? Can you please tell me that? <laughs> uh, anyway, so mm-hmm. he just started doing his Orson Welles voice and started reading the the little the brain's dialogue. Come, piggy, you know. Uh, and he kind of got the job instantly. Now, not that we, not that we could, not that we didn't have to send out a bunch of auditions. We had to audition people and and compile a batch, but. We put him first, and you know it, it just slays every. It, it's like instant. It's like, oh yeah, that's the brain. Perfect. Done. Next. And uh, and and Pinky was always supposed to be a, a particularly idiotic, uh, dopey little mouse. And well, when you want an idiot, you go to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and he would tell you that. Uh, and yeah, and also think of the savings. I mean, here we. We've got uh, two of the major roles uh, performed by one guy, so that that really was helpful because he did scratch and sniff too, Doctor Scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as for uh, Wacko, that was uh, that was a long ordeal, and uh, we had uh, everybody in town trying out for Wacko. Now, the problem is the copy was it was sort of. His name is Wacko, so everybody's coming in and almost doing like Jerry Lewis. So it was the same problem later with Freakazoid. Everyone came in, yeah, yeah let's do something nuts. <laughs> and uh, so here's what uh, – can we? Uh, can I set up what I'm going to play yes, for you? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to stop it uh, once or twice when I – because there are a couple one, – one of the auditioners is definitely Nancy Cartwright okay. for Wacko. And one is definitely Maurice LaMarche. This – Tape was compiled a day or two before Jess Harnell walked into the room and auditioned for it. So uh, it's not a complete uh, set of auditions, uh, but these are a big batch of uh, actors who were uh, auditioning for the role of Wacko. Lamarche as Wacko. Where's the Warner Brothers? Come on, Wacko. Come on, And which and which voice actor was that? Do you have any idea? I thought that was Maurice sped up. 
Okay. I, I could be wrong. Uh, uh. We are the Warner Brothers, and I'm Wacko. No, ma'am, we're not making fun of you. This is making fun of you. A real Wacko! Hello, nurse. No, you've gotten hurt by food. Don't have to buy a little kiss. Guess what I am? So that was Nancy. Okay. Cartwright. That was Nancy Cartwright. This is John Cassier, who at this point was doing the voice of Buster for us. Okay. This is John Cassier Wacko. We're the Wonder Brothers, and I'm Wacko. No, ma'am, we're not making fun of you. This is making fun of you. Doing like a Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting because I could I could understand why the the voice actors would would want to go for that um, kind of voice because you hear the name Wacko and you you think he has to be the wackiest, craziest uh, person. But that's not in the, it, it's I don't think of that kind of personality when I when we get Wacko today. Exactly, it really is a contradiction because uh, after hearing you know. A week or two of these sorts of wackos, <laughs> and the guy comes in, Jess comes in, and does he does his bingo star, which it's way down here, and it's sort of calm, and uh, it was like, oh yeah, that sounds right, because wacko, wacko can be insane in his head and do crazy things, but he doesn't have to talk nutty. Yeah, yeah. These were all voice actors that were actually coming into the studio for the auditions, correct? That is correct. And do, is that still the process, or do pe- do voice actors send in tapes these days? They're- now, the first the first uh, shot all the voice actors seem to take is usually at their home studios or at their agents, and they and they get sent in. I see. And mm. Then we do call. We tend to do callbacks on the strength of those. I see. I see. But back here, back then, we you know we brought in the. The folks that we felt really strongly uh, about uh, and did it live. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, Frank Welker. We'll see. What yes, I'd like to hear Frank's. We're the Warner Brothers, and I'm Wacko. No, ma'am, we're not making fun of you. This is making fun of you. <laughs> Hello, nice. Now you've gone and hurt my feelings. 
Frank came in and he did that, but then he also did uh, Runt. He, he killed us. He slayed us with his sort of Dustin Hoffman sort of take. Yeah. Rain Man for Runt. And that was like, oh, we, we were sold on that. And then, of course, he played Mr. Plotz. He played Ralph the Guard, which he had played. First time he played Ralph the Guard was back at Hanna-Barbera at a, on a Scooby episode. <laughs> there was a guard named Ralph who was really stupid, and I always remembered it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so here's another Frank Welker take. I think it's very similar. Echo. Oh no! Oh wait! Coming up. I didn't know this was on there. <laughs> Rob, Rob Paulson as Wacko. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, that is that, really interesting. This is 25 years ago. These haven't been heard in 25 years. Wow. wow. Started recording uh, February, um, uh, April of uh, 92. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's interesting uh, that Frank Welker and both Rob Paulson were doing the, 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 the tongue. The, the obvi- the, you must have shown them a character sheet, I'm assuming, right, of, of Wacko? To sure. We had a drawing, yeah. Yeah. So because of the, that spit noise is coming out a lot with those, they must have assumed that well the tongue hanging out. He had his tongue hanging out. That's very very good, Joey. That's right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh... We're the Warner Brothers, and I'm Wacko. No, ma'am, we're not making fun of you. This is making fun of you. Hello. Nurse. Now you've gone and hurt my feelings. It's a hot little kiss. Guess what I am? Meow. Meow. 
<laughs> my uncle spit. Would you like to crash in a car? Carry your own guts home in a jar. You'd be better off than you are. Because you really are a jerk. Now, did you hear who that was? No, I didn't. So, uh, this is before your time, kids, but there's a show called Laugh At. Okay, yeah. Artie Johnson was, that was Artie Johnson. He's done a lot of voice work. But he was the little, like, little creepy man that would come up and sort of like uh, he would harass uh, a girl on a park bench. Anyway, he was, he, he, that, that was the voice, too. Hey, you know, how about a kiss? Probably wouldn't work for little kids. You know. Hey, how about a kiss? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> did, did he, he, Artie Johnson later played Newt, uh, Minerva's, uh, yeah. That is absolutely correct. And poor Newt didn't get a lot of uh, screen time, but. <laughs> let's, let's see what this next thing is. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's there it. There we go. Oh, there that's we are. It. Well, that's that's you know all those all those right there with all the variations. Very interesting, right there. Uh, now we have a we have many listeners that would love. I'm sure you know. This is a question I had when I was in high school uh, when I talked to Rob Paulson at a signing event at the Warner Brothers store. I remember asking him, "What advice do you have for me?" Because I was thinking I want to be a voice actor someday and. Well, as a as a you know, as a producer, what do you, what would you say to to a, an aspiring voice actor out there who might want to break into cartoons? What what would be some things that would help them? Uh, keep keep practicing. Keep coming up with your voice, uh, your your signature voices. You have to have uh, something that's really your own that no one else is doing because if it's just something that everyone else is doing, they'll hire the guy that they know Mm. that can do it and show up. So you want to have a special voice that no one is doing. And that when they hear it, they're like, Oh, I want, I want to figure out a way to use that voice. That's a great voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, that's one thing, but you, you, you want to uh, build a great reel. Uh, You want to put together on, on a reel, all your best stuff. And uh, then you need to be available. That's important (laughs) because they tend not to uh, go out of town for much of this. So one of the challenges is to get to either LA or New York or Chicago or wherever they're recording the stuff and be available. Yes. Yeah. I've I've heard that from many people. If you want to be a voice actor, you got to make your way to LA and, and starve for a few years, basically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the problem yeah um well i think i think there's just so much i know about, there's so yeah, much no, it's like <laughs> it's like we can get to all like like go way into a lot of these yeah but. exactly well um we talked a little bit about we, paulson harnell uh mcneil we, we already talked about those folks yeah maurice yeah. uh then there's uh the, let's see there's uh we have the good Peters, and we have the, we have the good feathers those guys about that um Dick John Mariano. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have they have very unique voices and everything. Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah, uh, they they were doing but, uh John Mariano, of course, was doing sort of a, a De Niro, and uh Chick was doing um Joe Pesci, and uh Maurice was doing uh the other guy. The other guy. Oh gosh, I haven't even seen Goodfellas, so I'm like totally <laughs> like uh that yeah. that oh yeah. 
And he did it really well, too. <laughs> before the well, shows, before we finish the series, we'll watch Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we want to sit on Scorsese's head, was written by Deanna Oliver. And, you know, that was uh, Spielberg went to Scorsese and played that cartoon for him and uh, cracked him up. So uh, it all worked out. It was a happy ending for that. <laughs> Interestingly, because um, you know, that was a parody of, of West Side Story. And um, I've been reading off and on that Spielberg wants to do a version of West Side Story, so I guess he's a big fan of the musical. But I don't know when he'll have time to do it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, has he ever has he done a musical ever? No. <laughs> wow. That's that's crazy. He, so, he likes to try new things. <laughs> that's No, I, uh, that's absolutely correct. He, he likes to challenge. He'll probably end up producing it, I would suspect, if, if it um, ever gets done. Does seem like that is that is ready for a revamp, I suppose. Um, well, speaking of you know, speaking of revamping and rebooting and stuff like that, I think before we we uh, get to our some of our uh, Q and As and things like that, maybe we can talk a little bit about oh, Tom, your 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 thoughts, your your <laughs> what what you can say, I suppose, about uh, the possibility of uh, Animaniacs reboot because as we know, as we all know, everyone listening. Uh, this past spring, uh, it was kind of a uh, put out there that the Warner Brothers uh, studio was uh, in early discussions about possibly putting Animaniacs back out there. Um, what 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 do you have to say? What what's what's going on there? I think we've all heard the rumors, uh, and many of us who have worked on uh, Animaniacs in the past have tried to find out more and. Uh, we have not found out a lot. Uh, it looks like uh, there there are some discussions, but whether they are fruitful, whether they are coming uh, to fruition, uh, nobody seems to uh, know. Uh, my hope is if uh, a reboot happens, my hope is that uh, Warner Brothers and Amblin basically uh, do the right thing and get as many of the original creators, artists, and writers, and musicians involved. You know, I know that I wouldn't want to make the show without the brilliant writers and artists that came up with it. I think the fans will love a reboot if it really captures the essence and and fun and anarchy and zaniness of the original and I truly believe that the uh, that can be achieved with getting the band back together. But I don't think you can just like hire someone off the street and say make more Animaniacs and expect it to work out. Yeah, that that is definitely the the fear. I know that a lot of fans have. I I, I know with the, the for for example, off the top of my head, the Powerpuff Girls recently had a reboot and. The, a lot of the old school fans of that show are upset. The original voice actresses are not involved. I, I don't think uh, the creator Craig McCracken, I don't think was, uh, was involved either. And, and because of it, the, the show's quality has been, well, I have, I only saw the first episode and kind of gave up on it because I, the quality <laughs> wasn't there like it, like it was originally. So that's another big issue. I mean, we made Animaniacs at a, at a time, as we've discussed here, where, 
everything was lined up perfectly. We had three years of experience. We had artists, uh, writers, uh, storyboard director, musicians. Everybody was at uh, at on their game at full full speed ahead, and uh, so we went rolling into Animaniacs with uh, a big head of steam. Um, that I don't know if that sort of thing exists now at, at Warner Brothers. I mean, uh, they they make uh, a certain kind of product that that uh, their fans like, but I don't think it looks like Animaniacs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know how, I don't know how that would possibly uh, work out. What, what would you say to, to fans if, if we, you know, wanted to, to voice our concerns about, you know, obviously wanting to have the creative, the original creative uh, members involved in any possible reboot, including, you know, obviously the writers, the artists, and of course, the voice actors, as many as possible. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can you imagine if they were to recast some of these things? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it'd be horrible. Well, anyway. who 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 might we who might we? Uh, I mean, what would be the best way to, in your mind, to to make our voice you know make our voices heard uh, out there to Warner Brothers and Amblin? I mean, is it through Twitter? Is it through letters or how? Yeah, I think you can probably find Facebook and Twitter accounts for Amblin, for Warner Brothers Animation. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you can also, uh, I, you know, the Internet's great. I think uh, physical letters are, are also uh, workable. And, uh, again, I think if you address them to uh, Warner Brothers uh, Television Animation or, uh, I don't know, does Amblin have it? Uh, animation division at this moment. I'm not sure. I think it's just Amblin Partners, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I, by the way, I'm not uh, thumping the tub for everyone. Oh, everyone write to <laughs> to uh, these people and tell them they're making a mistake because I don't know if I don't know if anyone's making any mistakes. Quite honestly, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's even uh, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we certainly hope that it does under the qualifications of getting as many of the <laughs> the, the the creative people as involved as possible. Um, and then uh, that would be wonderful to get those people. But then don't give them uh, uh, you know uh, a budget that requires every corner to be cut because mm-hmm. uh, we had great budgets back then, and I don't think they're smaller than they were back then. So. Uh, that could be uh, another issue. You know, I, I would love to make new Animaniacs, but uh, it would have to be under conditions that uh, are guaranteed not to fail. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I've had a, I had a great experience uh, making the series uh, when it happened. And, uh, you know, if they're going to be new ones, while I would like to be involved, uh, if they're going to be Alaska, I don't want involved <laughs> if they're and i think with the right budget with the right people uh it could be a it could be just wonderful uh but without that it, it could be a mess <laughs> well thank you for answering you know that's uh, a lot of people you know have a, that question and uh hope i know people are, are asking and and uh i you know the thing is we all of us that made Animaniacs, we we want the public to like it and want more. 
because it makes you know it, it, it it's fulfilling and and uh, so anyway uh, yeah. we we've hit we we hit it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tom, for that information. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, before we wrap things up for today, let's go ahead and get to uh, a little bit of uh, some additional Q&A that we have for you. And uh, Nathan, Kelly, uh, why don't we why don't we go through? We have a we have a bunch of questions, but we're just going to go through a few today. Um, Kelly, I got to start with you. What do you have for us? Okay. On your first appearance, you mentioned that there's a story behind phone call from the 405. Do you mind sharing it? And this was, of course, from Tiny Toon Adventures. Uh, that was one of the later episodes of Tiny Toons, phone call from the 405. And it was based on an actual phone call uh, received uh, from Stephen. Now, uh, and Cherry Stoner and I were, uh, were in the office and we took this call. It was about four in the afternoon and uh, it was about another episode that Stephen had just watched on video. Uh, so he had uh, he had watched that. Then he got in his car with the storyboard, and I can only imagine. I I, I was under the impression that he was driving, and I, I contend that he was driving. <laughs> and he was, uh, in my opinion, multitasking uh, uh, to a great degree. So. Now, I don't know if the phone was one of these things where you're holding it to your ear or it was in the steering column. But anyway, he's on the phone with us. Hey, Tom. Hi, I'm, I'm on the 405. I'm going south on the 405. Uh, listen, I want to go over some of these. Uh, one of the cartoons you sent over this morning. Uh, the line quality is way too thick. You got to get that fixed. And uh, so anyway, it was it was a conversation like that. So I had him on the speakerphone and Stoner and I are writing down the notes that uh, Stephen is giving us. And uh, so uh, then he starts giving us notes on the storyboard that we had sent him the night before. And we can hear him flipping the, <laughs> he's flipping the pages as he's driving on his phone. And he's flipping the pages now. Now look at this this pan here. This pan is taking way too long. It's taking way too. Just put the whole scene in one master shot. Then you don't have to do the pan because the pan's just wasting time. So then he goes back to the footage and he says, "Now I've told you from uh, when the stuff that we're getting from Acom in South Korea has great shadows on it. Beautiful shadows. There's shadow on every. There's a core shadow on every character." Now, this cartoon here, uh, this is not from uh, Acom because there are no shadows. Now, I need shadow. I need bigger shadow, more shadow, lots of shadows. And uh, so, and we're saying, okay, more shadows. We're going uh, to add shadows. We're going to call the overseas studio. We're going to call. And then right when we're kind of responding to him, he says, hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> we're like, what? What is he doing? It, it turns out that Michelle Lee, the actress, was driving past in another car. <laughs> Stephen, he's not busy enough driving, looking at the storyboard on the phone, but he's all looking out the window at people going by. Hey, Michelle. Hi. <laughs> so that's uh, my entire story. Uh, you know, it, it's just uh, the guy. The guy is a busy, uh, creative guy. He really is busy. Yeah, that and that I was just rewatching phone call from the 405 a few weeks ago. And yeah, that that 
whole conversation was pretty much verbatim put into the cartoon, it was. wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Verbatim. I love it. And he's like, and Carrie Fisher's on the other line. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> oh, there, there. That was the end. That was the end of the con- phone call. Oh, really? And oh, really? Fisher, as you, I, I think you know, she was uh, for many years uh, his script doctor. Script doctor. Mm-hmm. He script doctored uh, many of his films during that period. Hook was one. Well, she needed a specialist on that one. Well, banger rang. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. So, Nathan, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what kind of question do you have? What what kind of question? What question do you okay. have for Tom? So, we're finishing up the first season right now on the Animaniacast po- uh, podcast and well, as we're doing it, we noticed it's 65 episodes long in the first episode, in the first season. So we were discussing that, and one of our listeners, Curtis, even uh, corrected us in saying that's a common thing, basically, in that time. He, he probably... is, his 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 uh, piece that you included and shared with me is absolutely on the money. Okay, so I'm going to read exactly what he said then, if this is all correct then. Okay, <laughs> so typically a network funds a season of a television show that they broadcast on their network. These seasons are 13 half seasons or 26 full season episodes. Uh, after a creation amount of time, oh, sorry, after a certain amount of time after the original broadcast, the company can option to sell the show to cable networks and syndication packages. These packages are 65 episode long, uh, 2.5 seasons. You'll often find the cartoons are canceled after they hit the 65 episode mark because they have a full syndication season that they can reuse. Batman the Brave and the Bold, for example, has two 26 episode seasons and one 13 episode season. Now, back in the 80s and 90s, this was the rise of the cable TV and not every major studio owned their own network. So companies would produce their own shows to sell as first run syndicated series rather than going to a network. This meant that they could stop the show around the mul- round to multiple stations rather than being held to air on only one network. Animaniacs was a first-run syndicated show, which is why the first season is 65 episodes. Only the most popular of cartoons make it past 65 episode mark. The Animaniacs was one of them. This was on- also because Warner Brothers created their own network at the time and wanted to use the show to launch the WB. At least that's how I understand it. Tom Ruger could probably correct any mistakes. So, <laughs> so yeah, Curtis knows his stuff because Curtis, I, I believe, even writes books on animation. So, the only thing that's uh, and it, it all it, the information is excellent. Uh, when the sixty-five episode order was made for Animaniacs, uh, there was no network uh, WB network. Uh, under consideration at that point, so that's the uh, the only sort of clarification I'd make. They basically we had done Tiny Tunes. Uh, it was uh, that was a success. We were making more than sixty five Tiny Tunes, and so now this next series, uh, the first order was sixty five because they anticipated it being a hit. And that was going to uh, be on Fox Kids, right? At the time, like that was a. It's not necessarily syndicated in the in the sense that tiny tunes was i think right you're you're correct it was on fox uh kids that's yeah. right yeah because tiny tunes had been brought over to fox kids as well 
Yeah, I re- I remember Tiny Toons just uh, every year as a kid. I didn't know if it was going to be on uh, Channel 18 or Channel 11 in Tucson. Like it would fl- it would flip flop every now and then. So hmm. <laughs> you um, know what? I I don't have this in front of me. I'd I'd like to know when the 65th episode, the uh, the uh, anniversary special, the Warner's 65th anniversary, when that aired, uh, because I don't think all 60 did 65 episodes air. Within the first year, uh, let's see here. Let me let me do a quick Nathan. I don't know if you're doing it as well. I am doing it as well, but we'll see who gets there first. I was gonna go to my spreadsheet that has it all. Oh, yeah, Nathan, the master oh, yeah. of spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, good, good. <laughs> okay, the, the original air date I got the well, the wiki is here, but that may not be right because it often I'll, isn't. You can say what that says and I'll say what mine says. Okay, the wiki here says May twenty third, nineteen ninety four. That would be uh that would be within the first year. Yeah. So we and... burned off all sixty five with Yeah, my... mine also says May twenty third, so yeah. and then the following uh so we had made the series in these half hour uh, blocks of cartoons, sometimes it'd be a whole half hour story, but man, many little pieces. And then we would occasionally repeat interstitials. So after we made 65 half hours and we had put on 65, uh, produced 65 hours and put 65 half hours on the air, I had four half hours of extra stuff hmm. because we had repeated, and we, we'd use those interstitials. We'd use the Slappy Squirrel theme song. We'd use Wheel of Morality, which was sort of reused. So we had four half hours, and those are the second season's four half hours. That's what those are all about. Ah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. They have a lot of pigeons in them. <laughs> so, yeah, Tom, uh, I, I think that's episode 62 or 63. The, there's a Halloween episode. Just kind of thrown in. I'm just wondering if that was to meet your 65 quota or if there's another story behind that, I guess. I don't know. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, 62. They're happy, slappy. uh, Which one in Salem? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it aired around Halloween, did it? No, No, it aired in May, I believe. (laughs) Right. So that was, uh, we knew we could have it the following Halloween, but. We, we had a bunch of uh, different holiday segments in the works, and we saw no reason not to proceed with them. Uh, hmm. But we, we, I wanted to delay that one till the following Hall- Halloween. But, uh, you know, there were contracts with stations, and we had to get them their 65 half hours. So, yeah. Okay. I did program, uh, like, when shows would be on. That was part of my job, which I love that. You know, so, for instance... Uh, Turkey jerky played on Thanksgiving Day and different mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I think we get, we we've had a, a fantastic discussion today. Uh, the, so much information uh, and so much more to 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 go on in the future. Uh, but I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for uh, your time once again. Uh, not only for the, the we we got some great audio from the auditions. We've got some some great behind the scenes info and it really it's just a pleasure to have you on that's been fun thanks we'll, <laughs> we'll do it again yes absolutely
Well, we will meet again in a few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, uh, you can go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And, of course, we're over at Animaniacast.com, where you can see our archives over on RetroZap.com. Hey, why not subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever device you use to listen to podcasts? And Nathan, where could people get in contact with you on Twitter? Hey, Twitter is my friend, DjangoFT. That's me. <laughs> All right. And Kelly, what about you? I'm on Twitter, Yoda Princess, or you can email me, Kelly at BigShinyRobot.com. And as for you, Tom, I know you're on Twitter, right? Am I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, uh, if, uh, have them check out my blog. Okay, so if people want to get in contact or at least see uh, some of your, your previous work, they can go to cartoonatics.blogspot.com, right? Cartoonatics.blogspot.com. All right. Is that right? It's easy. Just Google it. Just Google yeah, it, Google. folks. Yeah, that's it. If you yeah, type Google in it. Tom Ruger blog, ladies and gentlemen, it's the first thing <laughs> that right. shows up. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, how do I know? Because yeah. I just did it. <laughs> you can message me on Facebook or uh, on uh, Twitter. Yeah, it's all there. Well, for Nathan and Kelly and Tom, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That's edutainment. <laughs> This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.